Welcome to The Cross Church. We're excited to bring you these weekly messages. Find out more about us or contribute online at thecross.com. Thanks for listening. What a great crowd. Uh, how many of you, by round of applause, are just having an incredible morning? Anybody? Just having an incredible morning? Yeah. Uh, man, I feel like I'm having an incredible morning. I've already overcome adversity today. Um, I don't know how this works at your house, uh, but, you know, sometimes you go, I'm going to buy toothpaste, and you really mean it, right? Like you're going to, you put it on the list, you go to Walmart once, and you forget it, and, you know, you think, well, I'll do it the next time I go to Walmart, because, I mean, we go to Walmart like four or five times a day, it feels like, right? So, and so, anyway, I woke up this morning, and now the tube is completely empty. You know what I'm saying? Like it's flat, right? And don't you, there's nothing more satisfying. Like, yeah, this is how I know I'm getting old. Um, you, there's nothing more satisfying than when you take your finger and you push it through the little back end of the toothpaste deal and you get just that little bit of toothpaste and you just feel like a human again. Amen? Isn't that great? Like it's, so you know what? I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm killing it today. Hey, welcome those in the chapel for us. Can we do that? Welcome those in the chapel. We welcome those who are joining us online today because we're going live today. We're online. Can you give it up for those online? Uh, we'd love for you to join us in person if you're ever here in the Metroplex or if you're one of ours that are just out for the weekend, man, come back and join us soon. Tonight, I want to invite you back to something that's been years in the making. Uh, tonight, we're going to celebrate Raise the Cross. How many of you have been a part of Raise the Cross? Anybody been doing that with us? And I just want to let you know, if you come tonight, uh, 5 o'clock, we're going to have a great, uh, we're going to have some great food, all right, if you like bacon-wrapped chicken, which I do, amen, and we're going to have some of that, and uh, we'll have some little burgers and some stuff like that, and at 6 p.m., we're going to come right back in here, we're going to celebrate just the goodness and greatness of God. Have you noticed the white, the little cutouts across the room? Have anybody noticed that? Anybody know? This is yes? Yeah, okay, all right, cool. Um, you'll hear about those tonight. All right, so it's going to be part of what we're going to do. We're going to hear about some of the stories of people at the cross, and so I want you to come and check that out. How many of you are going to come see us tonight? Anybody going to come see us tonight? Come see us tonight. Um, if you, hey, if you come, you're also going to get a T-shirt. Everybody say, ooh. Everybody say, ah. Oh, yeah. Feels like some of y'all weren't that into it. I don't know if you don't like the shirt or the model. I don't know. Anyway, either way, whatever. Okay, I'm working on it. Okay, I'm working on it. That's all I can say. Anyway, uh, if you have your Bible, go with me to 1 Corinthians 13. And once again, I do hope you'll be here tonight. Um, I hope you'll be here tonight for this reason. We have really three worship expressions, Saturday night at 6 and then 9, 30, and 11. And uh, we never really have a chance to have all of our family together. And so I hope tonight that this place is packed out and brimming over with people and uh, that you get to meet some people maybe you didn't even know go here. Like, I'm finding this to be true. There's people, that whenever we have these kind of big church-wide mixers, people go, I didn't know you came here, right? And they're your next-door neighbor. Like, I didn't even know, you know? And so uh, you'd be surprised how many people you will know if you will come back tonight. And I hope and pray that you'll do that. Well, we've been in a message series entitled With Love. And we've been going through 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This will be our third week. We're going to um, be finished with this chapter here today. And uh, we've been doing this because we're talking about what it means to, um, to live with love intentionally in our lives. And as we're doing that, I've had one major point I've given you every single week for the last a couple of weeks. We're going to continue today, and it's this. In the end, love wins. Everybody say it with me. In the end, love wins. Because we've read this whole chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, I really believe is one of the most um, missed, uh, misunderstood uh, passages of Scripture there is. In fact, it's one of those passages we all know. Sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. And because we know it so well, we think we got this figured out. 
And the reality is this, is I've unpacked this for my own life for the last few weeks. I've been really convicted about some things. Uh, because un unlike the weddings we hear this at or the, the tapestries on our wall or the throw pillows, there's a lot of substance to this. Substance to this. So the first week, we talked about this, and we said this, um, in the end, love wins. Say it with me. In the end, love wins. Except no substitutes. And in the first few verses of this text, it talks about um, there are some substitutes. I can be very benevolent. I can have great faith. I can speak well. But if I don't have love, then I'm just a... I'm just a clanging gong. I'm just a, a, a just a piece of tin making noise. How many of you are tired of the gong? Anybody tired of the gong? Amen. See, here's why I did this. Because in about December, you're like, man, I don't know what he was preaching with that gong, but I hated that gong. And then you're going to go, oh, yeah, he was talking about love. So that's why I did it, right? The just, juxtaposition there, right? And then last week, we talked about this. We said um, that we should love like Jesus. We should love Jesus. So there's a character to love. Things like love is patient, it's kind, and then there's all these prohibitions about love. And so if I don't love with the character of Christ, then guess what? I don't, I don't love, and it, it doesn't count. And so today, I want to talk to you about this, and it's simply this, that true love lasts forever. Look at your friend say, true love lasts forever. In fact, how many of you by a round of applause believe true love can last forever? Anybody believe that? It really can. And here's why. We can believe that and we can know that because we're not talking about an eros. We're not talking about a romantic love. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about a phileo. We're not talking about a brotherly love. We're talking about an agape. We're talking about a self-sacrificing, Godward, eternal love. And that's, and in fact, here's, here's what I can tell you about this thing called love. This is why I know it goes to eternity. Galatians 5, 6, it says, For in Christ, uh, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. So the only thing that counts is faith working itself through love. In fact, it says right there, you know, there were people who they had adopted this religious practice of circumcision. And uh, so that some were saying, well, you know, you're, you're more spiritual, you're closer to God if you do this. Others were saying you didn't. It was kind of the debate going on. If you don't know what circumcision is, I'd ask you to do me this personal favor. I've designated Robert Watson as the one who answers all circumcision questions on our staff team today. And so... Please make sure you walk up to him and ask him what that is, okay? How many of you promised me you will do this? I'm just telling you right now, it's already a good day. Amen? It's, already, it's such a great day, so do that for me. Anyway, some of you are like, man, you're just mean. No, it's just, it's all fun, and it just make him blush. So anyway, all that being said, um, all that matters is, is faith expressing itself in love. And uh, true love lasts forever. Look at your friends say, true love lasts forever. I want to give you four things, four, four takeaways today about how true love lasts forever. Here's the very first one. If you're ready, say ready. Ready? See, true love lasts forever because it has no limits. It has no limits. It has no bounds. You go, what do you mean by that? It says right here, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away, verse 8. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Let me pray for us. Jesus, I pray in the moments we have, you would speak to us from a text that we know very well, but yet in many ways probably have not appropriated to our lives. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would stir us up. God, I pray today that you'd convict hearts. I pray today that you, Jesus, would create a moment in this room that would change all the other moments behind it for somebody. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen. You see, it has no limits. He says right here, uh, three gifts. See, this, this, this discussion is based on the backdrop of Paul talking about spiritual gifts. 
And he says that there are these three gifts that, that, um, that love is going to outlast. And the first one is prophecy. Prophecy. Prophecy is this. It was God sending back in the day a prophet, a man, who would testify. So it would be Jeremiah or Ezekiel or some of those kind of guys. Uh, this is what he would do. And um, now we don't have prophets in the same sense, right? We don't have that. We have, um, in our midst today, we have people who can speak a prophetic word. They can speak a word of knowledge, and it's in that, in, in that moment. Um, so if anybody ever says to you that they're a prophet, you should run. Amen? Okay? Run away. There are no prophets. Look at your friend and say there's no prophets. But there are prophetic words. Okay? Now, the next, the next gift he talks about is tongues. And tongues, this is one that scares all my Baptist brethren. Can I just say this? It freaks you out, okay? Because there's some that really believe that tongues have ceased. There's a cessation. There's a, there's a, there's a doctrine teach called cessationalism. Now, I'm just going to tell you this. I'm not going to split hairs on this. Um, what this is talking about right there, it's, it's this Greek word. It literally means a prayer language. And so I'm not going to debate that with you. I do believe that there are people and places that do practice this with integrity. Um, I will say this to you. I know that I could never be charismatic. I'm going to tell you why. I'm not that athletic. Um, I remember one time, this is no joke, I was in, I was in Florida, okay, and I went, I was in college because I was in that time in life I was trying to figure out if my faith was my faith or my mama's and my daddy's. And I'm not lying. I pull under this parking lot and there are people who've got their tailgates down on their trucks. They've got tambourines out, and they've got ribbons and stuff. And they are stretching on the tailgate of their car. Like, I mean, they are, they are getting ready for worship. I thought, I cannot keep up with this. This is way, this is way too much of an athletic activity, right, for me. But here's what I'll say this about this. Um, Paul even said this was the lesser of the gifts. There are some places that would teach you that speaking in tongues is necessary to give evidence of your salvation. The Bible does not teach that. Um, Ephesians 1 says that we've been sealed by the Holy Spirit, and uh, we are filled by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we have to shake up what God's already started in us, but there are some that teach this doctrine as if uh, to make us feel inferior, that like we don't have enough of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 14 says this, but in the church, I'd rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. That was Paul saying that. So here's the thing about it. If you, if you roll that way, that's cool. We don't want to diminish that. And likewise, I want you to understand, we're not going to practice that publicly here because we're not going to make major what Paul said was minor. Amen? Is that cool? Is that okay? Everybody, everybody good with that? Yes? And we can have differences of opinion. But here's what's going to happen. We're not going to need prophecy because one day we'll be in heaven. And we're not going to need tongues because we're not going to have to pray prayers. Like, we're going to be able to talk to God personally. Here's the thing. We're not, we're not going to need a word of knowledge. Knowledge is this. It was a, a spiritual gift that involved speaking truth by way of God's insight into your personal need. And I believe this continues to happen. In fact, I think I'm a product of that. You know, here's what you don't realize. In 2005, when we made the way, our way here as a family, I did not want to come be the pastor of this church. I really believe because somebody had this word of knowledge that I'm here today. Um, I'll never forget it. It was in July. It was on a Sunday. The search team came out and heard me preach. And then on Tuesday, we were going to have our child, Molly, by way of C-section, and we're going to be in the hospital. On Thursday of that week, I had to do my doctor. I had to turn in my doctoral dissertation uh, to the seminary. Some of you are going, you have a doctorate? Really? Yeah. Anyway, like a dude who says bro so much shouldn't have a doctorate. But anyway, I know. But anyway, I do. And so then on, then on Friday, they wanted me to tell them if I was going to come be the pastor here. And so I can just say this. It was a busy week. 
And I might add that on that Sunday, Hurricane Ike blew in, okay? It was busy. And so Monday, we just tried to live because there was a hurricane, right? On Tuesday, we had a child. That was great. On Wednesday, you know, all the parents are in, all the families around, everything. Thursday, I'm just trying to finish this dissertation, man. I'm trying to turn this thing in. I got to push send. And I was going to have to tell them on Friday if we were coming here. And I'll never forget this. Um, I'm looking at Amy, and I said, what do you think? I, I said, I'm not feeling it. I don't think we ought to go. And uh, she goes, I'm not either. And then this man named Barry Colley walked in. Barry Colley walked in. Barry Colley, Barry Colley, just a great man, full of spirit. Didn't know Barry very, very well. He worked in our parking lots and whatnot in our church. Great man, faithful, obedient. We just didn't really run the same circles. His grandchildren were on the NICU in the hospital we were at. He comes into our, our room and he gives us all the little pleasantries about how cute the baby is and all that kind of stuff. And then he's about to leave. And I'll never forget, he puts his hand on that door and he says, Chris, I got to tell you something. I said, okay. And he said, hey, um, I, I've been watching you for these last years. I don't think you're going to live here much longer. He didn't know me. I don't think you're going to live here much longer. Um, I think God's been preparing a church for you and you for a church. And Chris, this is what the Holy Spirit really wants me to tell you. The Holy Spirit should tell me, whenever that church says you, they want you to come be their pastor, you need to say yes. God knew nothing about my situation. Of course, I got like those hairs on the back of my neck kicking up, you know. I got goosebumps all over me, glory bumps all over me, right, you know, and and I'll never forget, I, he, of course, I'm having to play it off. Like, oh, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, Barry. I mean, I, you know, no one knew all this was going on. And I'll never forget, Amy looked over at me. She goes, you know what we need to do, don't we? And me being a great man of faith that I am, I said, yes, crud. And so here we are, right? But, but here's what I'll tell you. How many, how many of you have had that kind of experience or somebody... That's a word of knowledge. But here's the thing about it. One of these days, we won't even need that. Why? We'll be perfected. We'll be there with, with Jesus, right? You see, love lasts forever. Everybody say love lasts forever. Love lasts forever. It's going to outlast gifts. Notice this. Love lasts forever. And, and here's the thing. It matures. It matures. He says right here in verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. And I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Now, how many of you... Um, by a round of applause, are in love with somebody. Anybody in love with somebody? Now, if you are married, you probably ought to be clapping right now, all right? I'm just going to tell you that. You ought to probably be clapping. That's that's going to make for an awkward afternoon, okay? Um, so, uh, how many, one, one more time. How many of you are in love with somebody? Okay, there you go. All right. Awesome. But how many of you would admit, if you're married especially, that your love has changed through the years? How many of you would own that? It's changed, it's refined, it's different. Like when you first marry somebody, you have all these idealistic ideas, do you not? You're just like, when we get married, we're going to always sleep by each other. And we're just going to embrace in such a way that we're not going to be able to tell where your body starts and mine ends. And it's, it's just going to be magical. And then you get married. And about two years later, you're like, get off me, you're hot. You know, I mean, is that, is that not true? Is that not how that rolls? Yeah. And, there, and there's some single and newly married people going, he's the most terrible man ever. Because you don't know. You just don't know. But you'll know. You'll know. But I just love this part. I'm telling you right now, like one 
one centimeter of their skin. To, you're, you're, you're on fire. Stop it. I mean, like it, it's a real thing. Well, you know, it, it does. It changes. And, and as it is with our relationship with the Lord Jesus, it, our love is going to mature. You know, in fact, it says in 1 John 2, it talks about, um, about three different types of, of people in, in their spiritual maturation. It says in um, verse 12, I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And I'm writing to you fathers because you've known him who's from the beginning. And I'm writing to you young men because you've overcome the evil one. And I write to you children because you know the father. And I write to you fathers because you've known him from the beginning. And I write to you young men because you're strong and the word of God abides in you. You've overcome the evil one. There's three groups of people right there. The first one is little children. Little children just know that their sins are forgiven and that they know the Father. They know God. And, and that's a really great thing. You know, they know that. Like by round of applause, how many of you know that your sins are forgiven and that you know the Father? Anybody, you know, that you know online? Online, but you, yeah? It's good. But it says young men, as you grow, it says, young men, you know, you are strong. So it means you're growing in the Word. It means that there is some spiritual vibrancy that's occurring in you, right? There's objective and there's subjective ways to measure that in your life, okay? And, and then it also says this, that you're overcoming the evil one. So it doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means your battles, like your sin quotient's going down in your life, Right? Because here's what's happening. As our love for God grows, it matures, it changes. It's not just about, oh, I've been forgiven my sins. I'm going to go to heaven. I can go do whatever I want. No, it's not it. You realize, hey, I love Jesus. And so now it's changed, and now I'm having victory in my life. And then finally, he says this, and then there are spiritual fathers, and they just know the Father. Like, what, what eventually happens in your spiritual maturation is this, is you realize that it's not that God blesses me and gives me all these things and that I have this cake life. The beautiful part about the Christian life is that you just know God. Like, He's what you need. And if some of you are going, I don't even understand that, it's because you're not there yet. But what you, you'll find in, in time is that He's just enough. Like, all those other things are great, but He's enough. You know, uh, things have changed with my daughter uh, as she's gotten um, older for me. She wrote me a note this past week, but whenever she first started off, She's about to graduate here in May, but whenever she first started off, she would always draw these, like, you know, little kids would draw pictures of your family. So I'd always, she would always draw Amy, like, a lot bigger than everybody else, you know. And I think it was just because she, like, she was, like, the dominant parent, you know, when she's, like, a little kid. And then she would do this. She would always draw me, and this is when, and, and I'm just going to tell you something. There's some of you, my men, my fellow bald brethren, are men who won't admit that you're bald yet, that you just need to see this as an intervention, Okay. Because back in my 30s, Molly would draw these pictures of me, and there'd be like two little pieces of hair, like right here and right here, and the rest was just slick, you know? And some of you dudes, I'm going to be honest with you, like somebody needs to love you enough, like you got all this going on, you got no hair, but you got Fantasy Island going on right here, okay? I'm just telling you, some of you, somebody needs to love you enough to buy you a really good razor, amen? Because in my 30s, I had these horrible pictures, my, my daughter would draw me, and I'd look at this and be like, oh, out of the mouths of babes, you know? And in my 40s, my pictures are great. Why? Because they look just like this. Fatter face every now and then, but basically the same hairstyle. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just telling you, some of you, you need to embrace the razor. But anyway, she used to do that. But then she wrote me this card about a week ago, and, and you have to understand my humor and hers. And it says, it has a heart, and it says, love you. Everybody say, aw. Isn't that nice? 
And I mean, you know, she says this, and then she puts on there, this is a picture of Rick Astley, the old uh, 80s singer. Okay, she puts this in there for me, all right? And because she knows my love language, and she says, uh, I just want to tell you how I'm feeling. <laughs> Gotta uh, make you understand. Never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down, never gonna run around and desert you, uh, never gonna make you cry, never gonna say goodbye, never gonna tell a lie and hurt you. And then it says, Boogie, woogie, woogie, faux shizzle, your daughter. I mean, that. That sums it up, doesn't it? And on the back, it says, good luck, and please send money for gas. And so, you know, it used to be a big wheel, now it's just gas money, right? But our relationship has changed. Can I ask you this question? Has your relationship changed? Because as you mature, your relationship to the Father ought to look and feel and be different. You see, um, love lasts forever. Say that with me. How many of you believe that? Anybody believe love lasts forever? Can we just give it up for that and notice this? Uh, love lasts forever um, because it perfects us. And um, that's the beautiful thing about love. Um, God's love, it perfects us. You know, uh, we're not perfect, but he's always in the process of perfecting us. In fact, it says this in verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have fully been known. You know, what's amazing is not today that God knows everything about you and he still loves you. He knows everything about me, and he still loves me. And, and the thing about Corinth, this city, was it was known for mirrors made of bronze. They would take bronze and flatten it out. They'd try to polish it up. And they would, but, but here's what's fascinating when you think about this. These bronze mirrors, you really couldn't, you could kind of see a dim reflection of yourself. You didn't see a detailed reflection of yourself. How many of you this morning um, looked in front of a mirror today? Anybody? You looked in the mirror today, some of your hands aren't up. Some of you dudes, we can tell. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, you might want to run by that mirror every now and then. Anyway, uh, because, I mean, seriously, you go by the mirror, you make sure you don't have sleep, you don't have like a sleep booger in your eye, you know. Um, you want to make sure you don't have any spinach in your teeth, right? Like, you want, you, want to, you, want to take, you want to make sure you look. Because here's the thing about it. Whenever you look in the mirror, what are you trying to do? You're trying to perfect yourself. What love does for us is it perfects us. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Like, God is, is constantly in the process of perfecting us. And, and here's, here's the dilemma we find ourselves in, though. Because we're, we, we know this. We know that God loves us. And yet, here's what I would submit to you today. I think some of us in this room have a really hard time believing that. Because let me ask you this. By round of applause, how many of you think God loves all the people of the world? Anybody think God loves all the people of the world? Cool. Don't answer this one. Don't answer this. Answer it to yourself. How many of you believe he really loves you? Because you see, um, in Mark 12, Jesus gives us this very high and holy command. And he says this, this teacher of the law came to him. This kid would have been well-versed in all the law. In fact, the Jews at that time, they had, um, in fact, one of the reasons they have those prayer beads, those rows, you'll see them on, on, their, on their sides sometimes if you see an Orthodox Jew. It's because it has um, 613 knots. The 613 knots actually represent the 248 affirmative commandments and the 365 negative commandments that um, the Jewish people had created based off the five, first five books of the Bible. And um, they, would, uh, they, would, they would, this guy, he, he knew the law. He knew all of those laws. He tried to keep those laws. And Jesus says to him this, when he asks him, what's the greatest commandment? He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Say that with me. You shall love your neighbor. One more time. You should love your 
Because you love yourself. Say that last word with me. One more time. Say that last word with me. One more time. Yourself. The reason some of us really struggle in life is because you don't really love yourself. And, and what happens in our culture is we've so, we've so missed this. Like we, we swing the pendulum the other way. Like it's, we live in the most narcissistic times in all of human history. Where I mean literally um, social media, the way life works. I mean we, we, we're given constant bombardment of advertisements that basically make us discontent and basically say that we need this. And if you have this, then you are somebody. And if you don't, you're not. And so what's happened to us is this, is that um, whenever we have those things, and perhaps we think we really are of value or of merit, and if we don't, then we're not. If, we, if, if our Facebook cropped life looks as good as our friends and neighbors, then maybe we feel like we have esteem, but if, if it's not, we don't. And the reality is this, one of the reasons why you struggle with people is because you don't really love yourself. That's one of the reasons, I'm just so blown away in the times in which we live, where people will just like go on Facebook, they don't know anybody, they'll just go off on somebody. Why is that? What's the real root problem with that? They don't love themselves. Like they, 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 they think so little of themselves. Uh, you know, they, 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 put, they, they sell themselves out for a very low value. Three things. You don't take anything outside this message today. I want you to take this. If you're ready, say ready. Ready? Biblical reasons to love yourself. Here's the first one. You're made in God's image. You're made in God's image. You have the Imago Day. Look at your friend and say, you've been made in God's image. You've been made in God's image. Genesis 126. And then the Lord said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. How many of you, by round of applause, believe that God has infinite value? Anybody believe that? Anybody believe that? And guess what? You're a chip off the old block. Did you know that? You're made in his image. Uh, how many of you have children that kind of resemble you? Anybody have children that resemble you? Uh, I remember um, when my kids were little, they really at times looked like me. Praise God, they grew out of it, you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, they, they kind of did. And yet, whenever somebody would say, hey, you're, you know, your daughter, your son, they look like you, I, that was always like a, almost like a point of, like, pride, right? Like, man, cool, like, you know, this, this is a little human that kind of resembles me, you know? And, and, and here's what I'll say to you. Don't you realize something, that you have intrinsic value because God has unlimited worth. And you're a chip off the old block. You're like, well, what about that dude that cuts me off in traffic? Yes. What about the person that's rude to me? Yes. See, one of the reasons why people have such a hard time treating one another well, loving each other the way we're supposed to with patience and kindness and all this, because we don't look in the other people and go, I don't care what that teenager looks like. I don't care what that adult looks like with whatever the hair or the whatever kind of stuff they have on them. That person has intrinsic value because they're made in the image of God. And therefore, I should treat that person as I would want someone to treat me well. See, there's a second when you were made for a purpose. Look at your friend say you are made for a purpose. You were made for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Where's workmanship? That, that literally means, anybody here by chance, uh, like you're a poet, like you write poetry? Anybody? You can write poetry? It's really awesome. How many of you cannot write poetry? Yeah, like I couldn't write Dr. Seuss. You know what I'm saying? Like I couldn't. You know, I feel like like people who have the gift of making words rhyme, I mean, it's, re, it's reserved for just a few, just a, just a, a rare group of people. It's like Shakespeare and it's like Snoop Dogg. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they have the ability to make things rhyme all the time, right? Well, but you realize though, that word, like poems are hard to create. 
something that, that is rhythmic and lyrical, it's hard. And yet God, when he made you, he put that kind of energy into making you. You. And so maybe you were the whoops baby in your family. You know what I'm talking about? Like, well, you know, we had all these other kids, and there's like this one that's like 20 years behind everybody. He's like, whoops, you know? Now you're not a whoops. Maybe you're told by somebody you're a mistake. You're not a mistake. You may have been unplanned for somebody, but I'm telling you something. You were all about God's plan. And I want you to understand something. Like, if he made you for a purpose, and he's got plans for you, then, I mean, you, there, there's a great acceptance in that. And maybe one of the reasons you find your life a little dissatisfying today because you're living for purposes God never made you for. And whenever you start living for these purposes God didn't make you for, guess what happens? You start living a dissatisfied life. You start getting a little bit grumpy with people. You, it, it becomes a real, it becomes a problem. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you today, don't you understand something? That you were made for a purpose. And so guess what? So was everybody else. And so when I realize I was made for a purpose. I'm trying to live out that purpose. And you know what my purpose becomes? Trying to help these other people live out their purpose. And so it's not about me always getting credit. It's not about me, um, you know, beating out somebody. No, it's about us corporately working and trying to help each other achieve all that God intended for us to be. You see, here's the third one. It's this. You have incredible value. Look at your friend and say you have incredible value. You see what it says right here? It says in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ Jesus according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which we, he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to his riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on the earth." You see, can I ask you this question? What does it feel like to be a son or daughter of a most high king today? You see, how many of you, by round of applause, have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Anybody have that? Then listen to me. You're a son or a daughter of a most high king. Why do we live below that? You're royalty. Not because you did it. Because he, he adopted us into his family. And it says this, he redeemed, he redeemed us by his blood. Can I ask you an even more personal question this morning? What does it feel like to know someone has died for you? What does that feel like this morning, church? Like Jesus died. See, it's one thing to say Jesus died for all the world. Jesus died for you. Everybody say this, Jesus died for me. Everybody say Jesus died for me. One more time. Jesus died for me. Like he died for you. And if he died for you, I mean, can I ask you this question? How many think that Jesus' blood is precious and it's invaluable? Anybody want to go there with me this morning? Listen to me. Then this what this means. It means that if when Jesus hung on the cross and he bled out from his veins, he set your value. <laughs> your value is worth the priceless, precious blood of Jesus. And some of us need to live like it. Can you hear me on this church? Some of you need to live like it. And if you understand the extravagance by which God has purchased you, then you will also love your neighbor as you love yourself. Because you'll realize that Jesus has now done that for them. And, you know, I just think we live in this world today where we have so many, we have so many things going on. I don't want to make light of it in any way. But we have a lot of depression. We have a lot of anxiety. We have all these things. 
And maybe some of that is just totally tied to the reality that we find our identity in the wrong places. And once you establish that identity, once you know who, who he is and whose you are, friend, it will give you a confidence to live in a way like never before. Because here's why. First John 4, uh, 18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in love. Don't you understand something? That Jesus loves you today. And it's because of that now you can go love your neighbor as yourself. See, here's the last thing. Uh, because true love lasts forever. Say it with me. True love lasts forever. Oh, one more time. Say. Notice this. Because it's the greatest of all grace. It's the greatest, of, uh, the greatest grace of all. Notice this. In the last verse it says, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now faith, hope, and love abide. But the greatest of these is love. So here's the thing about it. You do realize that what motivated God's heart toward you was love. And the reason you have a relationship with him, if you do, is because he loves you. And because he loves you, what he, when, he, when, he, when eternity stepped into your heart, a couple of things were birthed out of love. One was hope. Hope is is uh, believing that, um, you know, the good things are coming in the future. Hope always takes us to the future. Why will love last longer than hope? You know why? Because what's our hope today? Our hope is that we're going to go to heaven, right? And one day we're going to be in heaven. Amen? Anybody fired up about the idea about being in heaven? Like you're going to be in heaven, right? So check this out. One day we won't, there'll be no need for hope because we'll be in heaven. One day there'll be no need for faith. Did you know that? Because faith is believing in what we, we don't see. It's, it's being sure what we hope for and confident in what we don't see. One of these days, we're going to see Jesus face to face. One of these days. We're not even going to need faith anymore. But you know what we're going to, you know what's going to remain? You know what's going to remain? Because in the end, love wins. Say it with me. In the end, love. One more time. In the end, love wins.